You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Well, I'm glad you're here. Um, like I said, I, I, I joked about the, the message, but this morning, I don't know if you can read that slide very well. The battle is the Lord's spiritual warfare. Can you say the battle is the Lord's? Say one more time. Say the battle, the battle is, is the Lord's. Lord. Now say this. The battle, the battle is not mine. Not it is the Lord's. Lord. All right. Now um, we can go home because we got the point. The battle is not yours. All right. The battle is the Lord's. And in fact, I was going to wait to tell you a story somewhere in the middle or somewhere in the end. But I'll just go ahead and tell you now how this message came about. So what happened was I was at work um, Tuesday. It was it was Tuesday. And if you know what I do at my job, I run through a warehouse all day finding parts for cars. And um, if you come in, you need something for your car. I go find it in this massive warehouse that's like three blocks long, um, big, whatever. So anyways, I go find the part and I'm very, I think I'm very good. At, I like to think I'm very good at what I do. Um, and on top of that, there, there was a reputation that the people who do what I do, that we move slow. And so me and my coworker are convinced we're going to change the reputation of our position. We're going to find the parts as fast as we possibly can. So that said, I, not just me and my coworker, but we run through this warehouse as fast as we can. I mean, we're running and they give us these carts with wheels. None of this is important to the message. But anyways, we run through this warehouse on this, this cart has three wheels. And last week I was literally going so fast. My three wheel cart was on two wheels as I was hitting a curve. And you're supposed to ring this little bell that's like so quiet, no one can hear it. And they say, when you come into an intersection, ring the bell so you don't hit anyone. Now, I haven't hit anyone yet by the grace of God, but I'm telling you, I've seen eyes. This, you know, look at someone in their eyes and ding, 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 too late. So anyways, um, that said, we're trying to change the reputation by running as fast as we can. And the thing is, I get there at 7, so from 7 o'clock, usually till about 12 o'clock, I am drenched in sweat and I'm done. <laughs> I'm not the 21-year-old version of me anymore. I'm like exhausted and I'm like, okay, I need some food. I need something to drink. Give me a break, you know, because it's, it's a lot of work. So anyways, what happened was Tuesday, we were busier than normal. Now, any given day, you'll, you'll, if you come before 12 o'clock, you'll see me already drenched in sweat. But this day, it was like we were busier than normal. And I can't explain why. Now, coming into that Tuesday, that Monday night before, the night before, I actually didn't sleep very well. I would wake up, and my nose started draining, so I'd pray, I'd take a little communion, wake up again, and it was constantly back and forth, back and forth. So I wasn't operating on a full night's sleep. Does that make sense? On Tuesday, when I get there, we're busier than normal. Not only am I drenched in sweat, but now I'm like really feeling it. On top of that, me and Christina are like, okay, we're going to start dieting a little bit better. We're going to start drinking only tea past 6 p.m. and drink only tea until 11.30. So I don't have any food in me either. All right, so you're kind of following the process here. So about this point, I'm like, it's 10.30 and I'm just done with this day. I'm done with this week. I'm done with the month. Like, okay, Lord. And so about 11.30-ish, I'm no longer running through this warehouse. Now I'm like walking through this warehouse it's like, as fast as I can walk. But I mean, I'm walking. And then all of a sudden I get this, 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 uh, I get this thought in my mind. You just need a break. All right. You just need a break. 
You need a break from work. You need a break from running around this warehouse, sweating all day for people who really don't care. They're just glad they got the parts. You just need a break. And I thought, you know what? You're absolutely right. I just need a break. I mean, does anyone else? I just need a break, right? Okay, so I need a break. So then I started thinking about something else. And I've been um, coming off of last Sunday's sermon, which was lighting the menorah. That day in particular, I've been praying in tongues. But when you're like out of breath, it's kind of hard to pray in tongues. So I wasn't really praying in tongues that much. All right. Don't judge me. <laughs> I was doing something. And I started thinking about church and I thought, man, you know, church this, church that. And then I started getting frustrated and I was like, you know what? I just and, and then I started thinking it's Tuesday and what am I going to preach on on Sunday? And I had an idea of what I wanted to talk about. But then the more I thought about it, the more confused I felt. And I thought, you know what? This is just too much. I have to have a sermon. And if there's one thing about our church and I say this graciously, I was telling my mom on the airplane back from Kansas in our church, we have to go deeper. We just can't come in and say, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And everybody go home. We can't because you'll look at me like, did you really come in here with that? Now, I'm not judging you, but you get my point. We have to have substantial uh, uh, something that reveals Christ so that all of us get a revelation of Jesus and we all go home happy. Right. So all of a sudden, this weight and this pressure that I've never really I felt before, but I haven't felt it consistently. All of a sudden, I felt this weight and this pressure of I need a break from church. These people, they want too much from me. <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, I need a break from church. And I actually text Christina. I just need a break from work. I need a break from church. And she was like, well, what happened? I was like, I just, I can't do this. I just need a break. So she says, well, let's find someone to preach Sunday and just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go out. We'll get out of Charlotte. We'll just do something. Okay. I, I thank God I have a wife that, that you know, she, she, she's there for me. Right. So. I'm blessed to have her. So anyways, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a break and I don't know what I'm going to do. So lunchtime comes around and I turn my phone on and normally I would read my Bible and I was like, I'm no mood to read my Bible today. I just want to go home. If I act like I'm sick, maybe they'll let me go home early. So I put my, <laughs> I put my headphones in and I turn my music player on, but I have a new phone and the music player didn't have any of my downloaded music. So I go, you got to be kidding me. And my signal is very weak in the warehouse. So I open up the podcast, but I had downloaded last Sunday's podcast accidentally on Monday. And last Sunday's message was lighting the menorah, right? Praying in the spirit. So I turned on the podcast and I picked up right where I had left off the Monday, the day before. And I picked up right at the part where I was talking about um, your word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path about midway through. So I'm listening to that part of the sermon. And all of a sudden I'm reminded, hey, why don't you pray in the spirit? Why don't you pray in the spirit? So I'm thinking about church, I'm thinking about family, I'm thinking about work, and I'm just like, Lord, I need a break from all of it. Then I'm feeling pressure. I forgot. I'm feeling pressure because I get off work at 5, I get home sometimes about 5.30, 5.45, depending on traffic, depending on what time I get off work. Parker goes to sleep at 8.30 or 9 on a great night. So now I'm realizing I only have three hours of time with Parker, but I'm burning myself out at work. I come home, I only have three hours, and now I'm feeling this weight and this pressure of you're not the father you could be. Because you're only getting this much time and he doesn't even get all your time or all your effort because you don't have the energy. Is anyone judging me in here? Okay. <laughs> all right. Good. So you understand my predicament. And I'm sitting here and all of a sudden I'm feeling all this weight and all this pressure. And none of this is from the Lord. But at the time, I didn't realize it. At the time, I'm just like, I just need a break. I need to spend time with my son. I need to spend time with my wife. I just need to get away from life for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I hear your word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. And when you pray in the spirit, the Lord will show you the trap you're about to set. And so I said, well, let me just pray in the spirit. So I go back to work after lunch and I start praying in the spirit, start praying in the spirit. And all of a sudden I feel the pressure lift off of me. And then all of a sudden I hear the Lord say, now you realize this was nothing more than just an attack. You were never supposed to feel the weight and the pressure and the demands of what you were feeling. None of that 
was for you to carry. I have been carrying this for you all this time. So why are you trying to carry it now? Are you with me? So now I'm like, okay, well, I'm not preaching the sermon I thought I was going to preach. <laughs> I'm going to bring this to church. Now, that said, what happened was this. The Lord began to take me back from ground zero, back from A, and said, all right, now let's start this process over. This was nothing more than an, an attack. And what was the goal of the attack? Church has been great these last couple of weeks. Have you noticed that? Church has been awesome. So what I thought was a problem actually was not a problem at all. It was actually God was, God's been doing something. He's been elevating what we've been bringing. Not just me, my mom, Pastor Samuel, DJ who came last week. God has been elevating the word that's been coming here in our church. And as the word begins to elevate, all of a sudden, I feel like it's a problem and I need to leave. So what was good has now become bad to me. Are you with me? Take this. Parker, I spend as much time as I can, but I'm worn out and I'm burnt out. And yes, that may be a problem, but it was never on me to supply it. And all the supply I've had up to this point wasn't me anyways. It was always the Lord. So again, something that's good all of a sudden has become a problem. Then even work, work. I have found for the first time in my life, I understand what it means to work harder than everyone else by the grace of God. Paul said, I labored more abundantly than them all by the grace of God. And I, all of a sudden, for the first time, I understand what it means to work hard, work hard. And at the end of the day, look back and say, this was good. God worked for six days. And after, at the end of every day, he turned around and said, this was good. And I'm understanding what it means for the first time in my life to look back and say, I am proud of what I did today. Not pride, but I'm proud that, you know what, by the grace of God, I could work. And by the grace of God, the favor of God is on what I did. And it's not just me that's proud of it. My boss is proud of it. His boss is proud. And like I told you a couple weeks ago, the vice president of our company is proud of it. All right. The favor of God is on what I'm doing. So, again, what seemed like it was a problem actually was something good. And the devil was successful for a little while in convincing me everything good is actually a problem in my life. And I need to get away from all of it. And it was nothing more than an attack. So are you ready for the word this morning? Yes. All right. So let's dive into it. The battle is the Lord's spiritual warfare. But before we get to spiritual warfare, let's start in Hebrews chapter 8. Okay? Hebrews chapter 8. And uh, I actually found a picture of this guy. He was uh, a soldier decked out in his army apparel. And he's got his gun on his back and he's walking. He was sweating. And I thought, spiritual warfare. And I was like, nah, you know me. Let's have a couch. Right? <laughs> because the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. So let's start in Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8. And I believe the Apostle Paul is the author of Hebrews. There's a big debate about it, but I personally am a fan of the Apostle Paul being the author. But it says this, because finding fault with them, in the context he's talking about the Old Covenant. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the laws in the Old Covenant. He's saying because God found fault with them, he says, God says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. For years, I used to think, Lord, that's with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That's not with me. But the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter, uh, I'm going to get the chapter wrong. He says in the book of Romans, they are not all Israel who are Israel. In other words, if you belong to Christ, every promise that belongs to them also belongs to you. Are you with me? So the covenant God made was with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. That means that same covenant is you are a beneficiary of that covenant today. Are you with me? So he says in verse 9, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. Now, 
in the Amplified Classic Edition, it says it like this. They did not keep my covenant, so I disregarded them and I removed my favor from them. Are you with me? What's the one thing the Lord has kept constant with us all year? Not just this is the year of reaping, but what's the one thing he's kept? My favor is on you. My favor is on you. As long as it's up to you, God's favor is being removed. But when you choose to stop fighting and you choose to let go, God's favor falls on you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So verse nine, he says, I disregarded them, says the Lord. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. And after those days is for us today. God has made a covenant with us today. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Whenever he says I will be their God, what it means is this. Every sickness I will heal. Every disease I will remove it. Every assault I will deal with it. Every trap set for you will be taken out of the way. Are you with me? Every time something happens to you, I will be a God to you. You will be mine. I will be a God means this. The world will see who your God really is. Are you with me? So this is in the new covenant. He says this. They shall be my people. Verse 11, none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. What does that mean? You won't have to teach anybody. Say, know the Lord. You have to know God. God is saying, everyone's going to be, everyone's going to get to know me because I'm going to introduce myself to them. You won't know me according to your own works. You'll know me according to my goodness. You'll know me according to my grace. You'll know me according to the one who gives you what you do not deserve. Then he comes to verse 12. For or because I will be merciful. Why will God do all these things for us? Because I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Isn't that beautiful? You know what the new covenant is? God is saying, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. No more. You shall not. You shall not. You shall not. No, it's I will, I will, I will, I will, and I will. God's grace. Are you with me? And so one of the things that Lord, and I, I, I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, but one of the things the Lord said was this, the reason why the attack was successful is because there is a mindset that I have let follow in that many of us, if we're not careful, it can, it can wedge its way into it. How many of you know that God is gracious? God is gracious, right? God is gracious. He will give you what you do not deserve. And everyone said, Amen. God is gracious. But knowing that God is gracious, the thought, the devil knows, see, the devil's not stupid. Our enemy isn't dumb. He cannot convince me God isn't gracious. I've seen too much. We've all seen too much. We know that God is gracious. So the thought, the the attack for me was this. God might be gracious. Are you with me? When you replace the word God is with might, all of a sudden there's a possibility God might not be gracious in this, but he will be gracious in this. Are you with me? When you take one word and just say God is, God might. All of a sudden, the devil has room to work. What if God isn't gracious in this, but he is gracious over here? No, no, no. God is gracious. God is not saying I might be merciful. I might not remember. I might be their God. I might put my laws. No, he's saying I will. I will. And God is bound by his own word. God, the thing is this. Our heavenly father did not have to make a covenant But you know that the same book in Hebrews, I think chapter six, he says when God wanted to make a covenant, he didn't make the covenant for himself. He made it for all of us, all of us, because when God speaks, his word is as good as a covenant. But God made a covenant anyways, not for himself, for us, because he knows how we think. 
He knows how we are. And when he made the covenant, he said, you know what? I swear. But he couldn't find anyone greater than himself to swear by. So he swore by himself. As good as I, who I am and, and I am that I am that I am who I am. All right. I swear by who I am, by my very being, that if I ever break my word to you, if I ever break my word, I will no longer cease to exist. I will, I will no longer. I will no longer exist. I will cease to exist. And if God does not exist, all creation is gone. God has swore by himself that his word is good. God has swore to you. He will never break his word to you. That's the, we have a, we have a covenant from God himself. I will be gracious to you. <laughs> Man, I got excited. Look at this last verse in the Amplified Classic. God says in the Amplified Classic, for I will be merciful and gracious toward their sins. And I will remember their deeds of unrighteousness no more. When you hear mercy, mercy and grace are different. When you hear mercy, mercy means I will not give you what you deserve. But when you hear grace, God says, now I will give you what you don't deserve. Both work together, but they're not the same. In the Old Testament, they could only have mercy. God said, I will not give you what you deserve. But in the New, he says, not only will I not give you what you deserve, I will give you what you haven't earned. I will cause you to reap where you have not sown. And he doesn't just say, I'll be gracious. He says, I'll be gracious in terms of your sin. In other words, every time you fail, now expect God to be gracious to your failures. Where I have messed something up, God's grace will not only fix it, but cause it to be better than it was before. And I will reap where I have not sown. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now watch this. Let's keep going. Philippians chapter 4. And I want to come to a story. Okay? At the very end. Philippians chapter 4, and we won't spend a lot of time here. I put the Amplified again because I want you to see this in the Amplified. But Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, And my God shall, say shall. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And the Amplified, my God will liberally supply. Literally means fill to the full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason why I put this up here is, again, notice it does not say, my God might supply, my God will supply most, my God will supply some, my God shall supply all. In other words, don't let the enemy confuse you and think there's grace here, but there's no grace over here. So how do I get more grace here? No, 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 no. God will be gracious in every area of your life. Because whatever area there seems to be a, a, a lack of supply, there seems to be a lack of, uh, of anything, provision in whatever area, God is bound by his word to supply all your needs. You don't have to figure it out on your own. You just have to wait. I'm going to tell you this by the grace. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. You literally just have to wait. If it seems like, okay, Lord, the deadline's coming. The deadline's coming. Just wait. Just wait. Because God, if he does not keep his word, all creation is at stake. The universe is at stake. God is bound by his word. He did not say, I will supply most. I will supply these. I won't supply. No, no, no. I will supply all. All. And I'm telling you, if this doesn't make you more confident on God's word, I don't know what will. (laughs) Because God is bound by his word. He is swore by himself. I will supply all your need. Now, for me, I think for me, sometimes I say, well, you'll supply all my needs in the church. Yes, Lord. Oh, Heavenly Father, all my needs in the church. Then I go home and this is a perfect example. She's not in here. 
<laughs> so last night, she didn't see my wisdom. All right. <laughs> I, I had been. Okay. So I was studying and I was getting ready for church, putting songs and lyrics and all the slides and stuff. And I was doing all this stuff. And she came in and she said something about going to my sister's house to watch the Duke game. Um, I'm not going to brag, but you know who won <clears throat> 21 championships. There we go. Oh, really? No amens? No hallelujahs? Yes, Lord? No. All right. Anyways, so Duke won number 21. <laughs> anyways. So anyways, we were talking about going over there and Parker had done something. And I said, Parker, hold on a second. And she snapped at me. Oh, you've been in here for five plus hours and you spend time. And I said, look, don't come in here with all that. I don't want it. And so she so I said, you know what? De-escalate this. Don't say anything. So I turned around. I got Parker in my lap and she goes, I'll slap you in the head. <laughs> and my first reaction was. I bet you won't, but I didn't say it, but I didn't say it, all right? I waited until we were around other people, and I said, I heard you say that. <laughs> you won't do it, and so she, ah, oh, you're standing in front of everyone. So anyway, <laughs> we had this moment where <laughs> she said, so she was joking, okay, she wasn't joking, but she was, we, were, okay, we had a disagreement. She didn't see my wisdom, okay? <laughs> As she walks out, and she says her comment, I have this moment where I'm getting ready for today, and I just told the Lord, and, I, and, and I, I've been studying, meditating, the Lord had already shown me, and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to talk to her, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just get up, and I'm going to go to Carmen. I'm not, and I just, you know, you go through all the things, how you're going to get her back. You never do them. Okay, we never do them, and all the men said. Thank you. We never do it. We think about it, but we don't do it, okay? So I was thinking it, and I was like, I'm not going to do it, but this would be a good way to get her back. And all of a sudden, I remembered what I was going to share this morning, and the Lord spoke again. He said, you don't see grace in this area. That's why you're coming up with all these plans. You don't see grace in this area. Now, what does grace say? Grace says God supplies all. Not just church. God supplies all. And too many of us only associate this with spiritual things. No. All means all. When I need to prophesy, he will supply all. But when I'm at home and she doesn't see my wisdom, I need him to supply all. <laughs> all. No, I'm serious. He will supply all. Not just, and I'm using my marriage as an example. Um, same thing with Parker. Like I said earlier, I only get to spend a few hours with him. But the Lord will supply all. Not just church. He will supply all. And you know what? And, and this was, um, I'm just giving it all to you at once. When you realize that he supplies all, think about it this way. If I don't see him supplying all, then whatever area I don't see him supplying in, I will have to supply it. Are you with me? If God is not fixing everything in my life, then the areas he's not fixing, then I have to fix them myself. And God's word for all of us is I will supply all. All. So if he really is going to supply all, then I don't have to fix anything. I just have to wait and let him do it. Wait and let him do it. And it, just because it seems like there's a delay, if, I, if I'm not convinced he will supply all, then I will get up and try to help, and I'll get up and I'll make a mess of it. But my job is not to fix it. My job is to wait. Because my God has told me, my heavenly Father, who loves me tremendously, has already told me, I will supply all. Not some, all. And I'm telling you, I'm having to relearn this from the beginning. Because what happened to me Tuesday was so detrimental. I was like, I need a break. Oh, God. I wasn't crying. But I was like, God, I need a break from all these people. <laughs> and, the Lord, and the Lord said, let's start over. <laughs> you were never supposed to be carrying that burden in the first place. 
Who has given you every single message you've ever taught? I said, you're right. And even though sometimes I delay it because I go, God, I have to have this, I have to have that. And I'm up till three o'clock in the morning, my own fault. Right? I'm up till four o'clock in the morning. I'm, I'm up really, really late. I hear the birds wake up. I see the sun come up and I go, I still have no sermon. Right? <laughs> even in those times, the Lord said, son, it was never on you. It was always on me. Because you don't see migration in that area, you're working. You're trying to solve it. But you have to see that I will supply all. Because when you see that I'm supplying all, I will take care of it. Now, the law demands from us. The law says you must, you must, you must. You know that you're under the law when you start seeing the demand, when you start seeing the pressure and the weight of the responsibility falls on you. When you start seeing that, let me say this. You are back under the law because the law demands from you. And don't forget, in Colossians, Paul says the weapon that Satan has been using against God's people was the law. He has been demanding God's people. He's been making us think that God was demanding from us. All the demands of life are falling on you. That was his weapon, and his weapon hasn't changed. He's still using the same weapon against God's people. But God's answer for us this morning is this. I will supply all. Give it to me, because I will supply for you. You don't have to figure it out. Just wait. Just wait. In fact, let me show you. In Luke chapter 3, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus is about to go into the wilderness to be tempted. And we shared this in our spiritual warfare series last last year. All right. But again, I had to start from the beginning. And if I had to start from the beginning, all of us are going to start from the beginning together. (laughs) You can go back and listen to that on the podcast, but it doesn't matter. We're going to do it again today. Luke chapter three. It says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. You are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. Now, we've, we've talked about this many times before, but we want to make sure everyone is on the same page. God has spoken from heaven. You are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. In Matthew's translation of the same story, Matthew says, This is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. Why is Matthew different from Luke? Because in Matthew, everyone else heard, this is my beloved son. But in Luke, Jesus heard it for himself. I am the beloved son of God, and God is well pleased in me. Are you with me? Now, what's the, what's the point? Make the love of God personal for you this morning. God loves you. God is pleased in you. I said, God loves you. God is pleased in you. I know many of us have failed this week. I have failed many times this week. And I am telling you, God is pleased in you. Even in your failures, God is pleased in you. Don't think your failure has embarrassed him. God is pleased in you. And all your failures, all your mistakes, he still wants to raise you up, put the spotlight on you, and show everyone how proud he is of you. Even though you fail, he's pleased in you because he loves you. Now, In the Old Testament, and I hope I'm not so scattered, all right? In the Old Testament, Joshua and Caleb told the rest of the people when they came back from the promised land, after spying out, they said this, if God favors us, he will give us the promised land. And yet I'm telling you, the Lord favors you. The Lord loves you. If he loves you, he favors you. And if he favors you, he will take care of it. Now, the last thing Jesus heard God say was, you are my beloved son. And in you, I'm well pleased. Then we come to chapter four. Jesus is now in the wilderness. Verse one says, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan 
and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Now, I love this because keep in mind, Jesus is hungry. And it's been 40 days he hadn't had any food. At the end of 40 days, okay, Lord, I'm ready to eat. All right? At the end of whatever time period or whatever deadline you get set for yourself, the next question is, okay, God, now what? Because I know you said you would supply all last Sunday. But now the deadline is here and I'm still not seeing the provision. I'm still not seeing the supply. What now? Because if you're not going to handle it, then I need to handle it. Because the deadline is here. Are you with me? All right. 40 days, no food, nothing. Now he's hungry. <laughs> All right. So what does Satan do? Satan is not stupid. What does he do? And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Translation, God hasn't given you bread yet. So make it yourself. Are you with me? God hasn't provided for you yet. Do it yourself. Now we know, we've talked about this in the past. If you are the son, what word did he drop? Beloved. He dropped the love of God. And we've, again, we've shared this before, but why is that so important? Because if you know that God loves you, then you know that God will provide for you. If you are not convinced God loves you, you are more inclined to stand up and work yourself. But if you know that God loves you, you will stay seated. He loves me. Yes, I am waiting, but I will wait until he moves. And you know what? Our determination must be this. Because he loves me and because he has sworn by himself, if he does not do it, all the universe is at stake. Are you with me? If he does not do it, listen to me. Jesus died for nothing. And I say that graciously. I say it so graciously. You know why? Because Jesus was God's legal way of obligating himself to provide for you. If God does not provide for you, Jesus died for nothing. And I'm telling you, God would not give up his only son so that he could say, I want to pick and choose which ones I want to take care of. No, God is obligated because Jesus hung at the cross for us. Legally obligated because Jesus hung at the cross for us. So watch this. What is Jesus' response? I am hungry. There has not been any bread yet. Okay, let's turn stones to bread. <laughs> There's no law that says thou shalt not turn stones to bread. There's no law. But he understood something. If I turn stones to bread, and there's, there's a multi-purpose reason here, but if I turn stones to bread, essentially, what is he saying? God's love for me is in question. Are you with me? God's love for me is in question. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit impressed this on me Tuesday. Last Tuesday, he impressed this on me. And he ministered to me all the way for the rest of the week. The reason why you're getting up and working is because you're not 100% convinced. You're not. And I thought, Lord, I talk a lot about the love of God. And he said, but you're not there yet. You're not there yet. And I'm telling you, if I'm not there, and some of you might be there, I'm not there yet. But for the all, but I'm saying this as a pastor of this church, we need to hear more of it. We need to hear more how much he loves us. We need to hear more of it. We need to sing songs about how much he loves us. And I'm going to get to worship in just a moment. But we need to hear more of it. It's because you know what? Because we, if we're, if we're not 100% convinced, we're inclined to get up and figure it out. And the last time someone stood up and tried to help God, we are still paying for it today. Abraham said, he's taking too long. Sarah, what do you think? Actually, okay. Let's. Sarah said, he's taking too long. And he said, what do you propose? <laughs> and she said, take my handmaid. And he said, all right, fine. And we're still paying for it today. All right? Because they couldn't wait. Now, it's easier said than done. It's always easier said than done. But what's the, what, what's the solution? 
when you get eager, impatient, and you're tired of waiting, go listen to the podcast. And everyone said, <laughs> right? go listen to the podcast. Throw the CD in your car. Amen. Find out how much more, how, find out how much God loves you. And the more you are establishing that, the more inclined you will be to sit down. All right. Now, let me show you this real quick. Jesus answered and said to him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Let me show you this verse and I'll move on. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Bread is God's supply, but by every word of God. What was the last word he heard from God? Beloved son, beloved son. In other words, I don't live because God supplies. God's supply will never, God's supply will never end. It will never end. But I don't live according to his supply. I live according to his word. What is the word of God for all of us this morning? I will supply all. Don't live because you see the supply. Live because God's word says he will supply all. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Now let me show you the story of Jehoshaphat. Can we do that this morning? It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now we're not going to read the entire story. I'm going to tell you some and I'll close with this. The story of Jehoshaphat. Oh, man. Jehoshaphat. Now, I wish I could remember what his name means, but it's not important. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to pick up in verse 1. Now, keep in mind, Jehoshaphat comes from a line of, um, a line of kings. And the funny thing about Jehoshaphat is this. Throughout the history of Israel... When they're in the promised land, especially in Second First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, primarily in Second, every time there was a king who did not follow after the Lord, all right, they always say this king was not good. But whenever a king follows after the Lord, they say he followed in the ways of his father David. Interesting. So, anyways, Jehoshaphat comes from that lineage, and he's doing what he's supposed to do. He follows after the Lord. We come to verse one. It says, now after some time, and I'm fast forward. We're picking up in verse twenty. His story goes back to I think chapter sixteen. Read the story of Jehoshaphat for yourself, if you haven't. It's an awesome story. But we're going to pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. Now, verse 1 says, It happened after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, which is the Dead Sea, and Syria. And they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. Are we going to the En Gedi? We're going there a couple weeks. So anyways, they say they're coming to you and they're all the way from the Dead Sea, from Syria, and they're in Hazan Tamar, which is the En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all of Judah. Now watch this. The moment he hears trouble's coming, not just any trouble, he hears two people have come together to attack him. And he doesn't give him a number, he says a multitude. More than I want to give you a number. They're coming for you. So Jehoshaphat is afraid. So what does he do? He says, let's go seek the Lord on this and tell everyone not to eat anything until we have an answer. All right. So he goes to the Lord and essentially what he says is, oh, Lord, you did this. You did this. You did this. You did all these things. And then he says something so interesting. He says, Lord, you said that if we were ever in danger, that we could stand here in this house and we could seek you. And you said that you would hear our prayers here and you would move for us. Now, let me say something. God knows what his word says. He knows. And yet he loves when we remind him what his word says. He loves it. This morning I woke up. And again, I'm still learning this. This morning I woke up and I said, Lord, let me remind you what your word says. You are supplying every need. This morning you will supply me with the message I need. 
This morning you will supply me with what I need. And when I came to church, Joshua, who is now, who, who was formerly known as Tiki, now he wants to be known as Joshua. <laughs> he normally helps me with the soundboard. He's not here. He's on his way to Georgia. So I'm like, oh, work. That's right. He's going to be here. I said, that's fine. Tanisha will help me. I said, Lord, you supply all my internet. And let me remind you. And all of a sudden I found out, wait a second, found out this morning. She was in an accident. She's not coming. Are you serious? So I'm like, who's going to help me with the sound? And, you know, my dad, he has the, the camera and everything else going on. And he records it for us. And I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, like a light bulb, ding, your father's right here. Why not ask him to do it? He knows soundboards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you realize many times the answer is right in front of you. It's right in front of you. The Lord saw the problem long before I did. He put the answer right in front of me. Amen, right? So anyways, I just reminded the Lord this morning because Jehoshaphat did it. Why shouldn't we? God loves to be reminded. So I said, Lord, I'm just reminding you. You supply every need. And the disagreement I had with my wife last night, you supply every need. You make her be quiet when she needs to. And everyone said, <laughs> I'm just joking. So this morning she smiled at me and she doesn't even know why. I got up and prayed in the spirit for an hour this morning and it was awesome. And it was awesome. So anyways, that said, he reminds the Lord. He says, Lord, you said if we stood here, you would do this. And the only reason why I'm telling you that is this. Remind the Lord what he's done for you and remind him what his word says. And you'll find many times when you do that, faith inside you will build even before you finish praying. So he reminds the Lord while he's talking or just after he finishes talking, all of a sudden a man stands up. Now watch this. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. Now, that's a lot of names. Genealogy for what? Watch this. Now, I, I hope I remember. I pray I remember. <laughs> Jehaziel means the Lord sees. God sees. The son of Zechariah. Zechariah means the Lord remembers. Interesting. God sees. God remembers. The son of Beniah. Beniah literally is two words. It's a, uh, which is he, and it's, I'm sorry, it's a, uh, which comes from Yahweh, the Lord. And then bana comes from bana, bana, not banana, banana. Anyways, in the Hebrew means the Lord built. The Lord sees, the Lord remembers, the Lord built. Then you come to the son of Jael, which means the Lord carries. One translation says sweeps, but it literally means he sweeps you off your feet. The Lord carries you. Then is, he's the son of who? Mataniah, which is my name in the Hebrew, which means the gift of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? He was a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. What do we see right here? The one who the spirit of the Lord fell on. His name means what? The Lord sees it. In other words, the word from Jehoshaphat came from a man who comes from a lineage, comes from a lineage or genealogy. What is God saying? Why did God put these names here in the middle of the story? Because he wants you to know no matter what the problem is, I see you. I remember what I said to you. Benaiah, I'm building the solution for you right now. I've already built the solution for you. The son of Jael, meaning the Lord carries you. You're not walking through this. I am carrying you. And then what? The son of Mataniah, the gift of the Lord. Let me bring you the gift. Are you ready? Oh, man. And he said, listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is the, the prophet speaking up. Who's actually not really a prophet. He's actually a priest in the house of God. You know what I do this morning? This is actually the priesthood. All right. When you stand here and you deliver the word of God, this is the priesthood. So he stands up and he says, listen, all you Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. 
That's why we call it the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And I'm telling you as a priest and standing in this position, whatever fight you might be facing, whatever you might be attacked with this week, I'm telling you by the grace of God, this is not your fight. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And everyone said, Amen. no, <laughs> watch this. Verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Z's and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeru. Now, watch this. Instead of saying the battle is the Lord's, go home and sleep. What did he say? The battle is the Lord's. Now go down and meet them. Go down and meet them. Now, if I'm the king, I'm going to put all my warriors in front. Yes, the battle is the Lord's. So let's watch the Lord win with our warriors in the front. <laughs> let's watch the Lord win with our spears ready. All right. I'm serious. Let's send scouts on the road ahead because the battle is the Lord's. And everyone said, amen. Hallelujah. You know, that's what I would have done. But what does Jehoshaphat do? When he hears the battle is the Lord's, the next thing he hears is go to the battlefield. Go to the battlefield. If the devil wants to fight, give him a fight. Give him a fight. But I thought you said the battle is the Lord's. I'm going to show you how to win. I'm going to show you how to win. Watch this. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Salvation in the Hebrew, do you know what it is? Jesus. How do you win every fight? Position yourself. For them, it was stand still. For us, you know what it is? Sit down. Sit down. That's why I had a picture uh, of a couch for this one. Sit down. You want to know how to win? Position yourself. Sit down and look at Jesus. How do I look to Jesus? Open your Bible and say, Lord, show me Jesus and go look for Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit unveil Christ to you in his word. If you if you're having a hard time, I haven't figured out how to do that yet. Pop the podcast in and say, OK, let me listen to our, let me listen to to the pastors in this church. Show me more of Jesus. Show me more of him. Show me what Jesus has done. Position yourself and see Jesus. Then what does he say? The Lord is, uh, um, what does he say? See the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Go out, I'm sorry, tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now, oh man, I'm going to bring this to a close in just a few more verses, all right? Watch this. The moment the word of the Lord comes from the mouth of the priests, all of a sudden they all say, yay, they all bow their heads and they start worshiping. Now, when I saw this, the Lord said this, worship before, worship before the word of the Lord has gone out. And I'm telling you, the word of the Lord has gone out this morning. The battle is the Lord's. He is supplying every need. Now is the time to worship. Now that the word has gone out, now is the time to worship. Don't worship God after worship God before worship God because his word has told you it's not your fight. Worship God because the word of the Lord to you is God is supplying every need. Worship the Lord because you don't see the answer yet. They're not on the battlefield yet. But he says, you know what, everybody, bow down and worship because the word of the Lord, God's word is solid. God's word cannot change. God's word is eternal. Let's worship God because his word says he will take care of every problem we have. And I'm telling you, church, worship the Lord because he will be a God to you. Every sickness he will heal. Every disease he will remove. Every miracle you need to happen will happen in the name of Jesus. Because God will be gracious to every failure you have. Every failure you make, God will be gracious. And everyone said, Amen. Let's close with this story. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Kohathites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Not just worship, but with praise. <laughs> 
So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness, as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for his mercy, or in the Hebrew, his loving kindness endures forever. And I'm telling you, when I saw this, the Lord said, son, sing about my love. Sing about my love. Sing about my love. Keep singing about how much I love you. Keep singing about how much I love you. Sing about it. Because when you sing about it, you'll find what happens. Watch this. Now, when they begin to sing and to praise the Lord, I'm sorry, and to praise, the Lord said ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Now, I'm going to show you how they were defeated, but the Lord showed me this. Me and my mom had a conversation on the airplane back from Kansas, and uh, we were talking about worship. And I don't want to call, I don't want to point out any particular problems, but there's a belief in the church that's spread like wildfire, that when you, when you praise God, when you praise and worship, chains come unloosed. Now, let me say this. I say this graciously, Okay. You will not find one promise from God in here that says, when you praise and worship, I'll break chains. You won't find it. It's not there. In the New Testament, Paul and Silas were chained up. They started worshiping God, praising and worshiping. God broke the chains, shook the whole jail. Not just theirs. He broke everybody in the prison. Everybody. Murderers were free. Keep singing. Keep singing. (laughs) Everybody in the jail cell was free because they were praising and worshiping God. Now, we know what happens. When we praise God, something will happen. Something will happen. But there is no prompt that when you do this, this is what will happen. Now, while we were doing that, the question, we were on on our way back from Kansas, and I had heard a story about a certain group of people that said, let's praise God because this this thing is going to happen. And one of the songs that they wrote was, and one of the songs is a beautiful song. I, I actually like it. It's a beautiful song. But one of the lyrics in the song was this. This is my weapon. This is my weapon. But the same group has another song that says the war is over turn around lay your weapons on the ground so i thought is this my weapon or do i lay my weapons on the ground which one is it right (laughs) so we want to make sure we do every we do things that are scripturally rooted and grounded so then all of a sudden the conversation came up and i compared it with a pastor who i absolutely love and the lord had said something a while back and i compared it with what this pastor said And all of a sudden it dawned on me, wait a second, wait a second, maybe we might have been worshiping from the wrong perspective. These people were saying, let's worship so that we'll get a miracle. If we want a miracle, we need to have an atmosphere of miracles. Let's worship to get a miracle. Then it dawned on me, and it just, my mom, we were on the airplane, and and we were just talking about it, and it, it dawned on me. It's almost as if worship is my way of singing myself off the battlefield. Think about it. It's almost as if the Lord is saying, the battle is mine. Now sing yourself off the battlefield. Because if you're not going to sing yourself off the battlefield, you're going to talk about it. Then you can reason yourself to stay on the battlefield. But if you're singing about my love for you, you can't sing and stay on the battlefield because you're singing about my love for you. So worship, in a sense, is a way of you saying, I'm going to sing myself off the battlefield and I'm going to sing because I know that the Lord is going onto the battlefield. Are you with me? I know you're like, I've never heard that before. (laughs) But I'm serious. Worship has become a way for us to say, 
Let's worship and get a miracle from God. Come on, church. Amen. Let's, and but maybe, just maybe, we had it wrong. Because when Paul and Silas were praising and worshiping God, they had no promise that chains would be undone. They were like, let's just sing and worship God because we can. They want to chain us. They won't chain our voices. We will sing and praise God anyways. And then God shook the jail cell and we made a whole religion and theology out of it. And all the while, that, that verse never existed. And the Lord was saying, just sing, just worship. And when you sing and worship, it means I can't fight the battle. So I'm going to take myself off the battlefield. When me and my wife are having problems, sometimes I'll get in my car and I'll just sing. I'll just sing. And I'll sing songs. And now more than ever, I'm being intentional. I want to sing songs about how much God loves me. Every song this morning had the love of God in it somewhere. Did you notice that? Every single song had the love of God in it. You know why? Because I want to sing about how much God loves me. And the more I sing about how much God loves me, I'm singing myself off the battlefield. That's why I'm encouraging you. I know we're, I know we're past time. We're going to close. That's why I'm encouraging you more than ever. My God, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. And if you're having a hard time letting go of this, you're having a hard time trusting that God will deal with it, go somewhere and just put yourself in a closet and start singing, he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. I'm telling you, if you don't know anything else to sing, just start singing, oh, how he loves us or me. Make it personal, me. All right. What do we teach children in church? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me, I mean, come on, sing of God's love for you. And the more you sing how much God loves you, you're singing yourself off the battlefield. And he can win. Let me close with this. Last couple of verses. Watch this. This is verse 22. We've got four more verses. Watch this. Um, verse 23. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. They grouped up together. Three, three people came together to fight. One of them said, let's kill the third. The first two said, let's kill the third. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. I love that phrase. They helped to kill each other. So one and two came together and said, let's kill three. Then when one and two looked at each other, they said, let's kill each other. And God said, they helped to kill each other. <laughs> Your enemy is helping themselves to destroy themselves. All right. Where's my wife at? I'm just joking. We don't fight against flesh and blood. I love her. Verse 24, so when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were the dead bodies falling on the earth. No one had escaped. My God, God is saying, go to work, go back home. <laughs> and all the men said, okay, only me, amen. All right, go back to the place where the fight was. Go back, go back, go back. Sing of God's love for you and go back. And when you get there, you'll find all the enemy has fallen. All the problem has been resolved. All the lack of favor, now there is favor. All the lack of harvest, now there is harvest. Watch this, verse 25, I'm going to close with these. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And there were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. My God, the Lord said, son, and I'm oh man, in preparation. The Lord said, son, they took all their jewelry with them. Who goes to war with jewelry? Who goes to war with all the gold and all the clothes they have on their back? Who does that? And the Lord said, I inspired them to bring it all to the battle. And I said, when I saw that, and I said, Lord, but why, why in the world would they come with jewelry and horses and clothes? And the Lord said, because I wanted my people to reap where they have not sown. There you go. To reap where you have not sown. And my God, I said, 2019 is going to be a good year. <laughs> To reap where you have not sown. Then he said, verse 26, and we'll close with this. And on the fourth day, 
after three days. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, which literally means the Valley of Blessing. You know why? For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place was called the Valley of Barakah until this day. When I looked that up, I thought, how did they bless the Lord? What did they do to bless the Lord? And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, I saw it. I read a rabbinical commentary, and it was one out of like ten. Only one person said it. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit jumped off the page when I saw that. And, I'm, and the Lord said, how did they bless me there? They called it the Valley of Blessing. But why? Because they blessed the Lord. Not because they made offerings, but because God was blessed by letting them walk away with someone else's hard earnings. You bless God when you receive his favor. You bless God when you say, I'm receiving more healing. You bless God when you say, I'm just going to receive more. You bless God. And God said the place where they should have died became the place of blessing. And they blessed me. We like to think, oh, the Lord is blessing me this week. I'm blessed. And the Lord is going, but I am the real one that's blessed. I'm more blessed than you because you are my son. You are my daughter. And I am blessed because you're picking up what I did for you. You're reaping where you have not sown. And everyone said, Amen. thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Take a moment real quick. We only have a few minutes, just a few minutes this morning. Just take a moment. If you would just lift your hands right where you're at. Thank you, Jesus. If you would just lift your hands. Heavenly Father, we receive it this morning, Lord. And Father, this morning we turn our minds, we change our minds from every area where the enemy has been successful in making us think that you might not be gracious in certain areas. This morning with our hands lifted, we say we receive more of your favor, Father, more of your unmerited favor, more of your unearned favor this morning. And Father, we trust you. We look to the cross. We thank you that you have sworn by yourself and you cannot break your word. So this morning, Lord, we receive whatever we need from you this morning. Whatever we need, if you could just out of your own mouth, just tell the Lord whatever you need this morning. Tell the Lord whatever you need this morning. Thank you, Jesus. This morning we receive it, Father. We receive it. And we receive it because you love us. Thank you, Jesus. We receive it because you love us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can you stand to your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.